my bosom or where I think my liver is. I wish I'd paid more attention in biology. You need to know your anatomy with this system, or you might get served up with something appalling. If Nina is giving us beef for lunch, she says, Moo! Ba, if it's lamb, and we all fall around laughing. I know they are secretly longing for me to ask for pork so that I'll make a real fool of myself, snorting. When we get seriously stuck... We have to ring Ganey in the office for a proper translation. So we get by, but I am a bit worried about what will happen to my speech after months of talking in pigeon English. I can see myself going back to London and saying to Claudia, Now we go Marks and Spencer by vest, you know vest, shiver shiver, bruh bruh. And then I'll take out a notebook and draw a vest. On the telephone to Hester, I told her my fears and she said I was right to be worried. She's met people in her organisation in Cairo who've worked so long with refugees that they have ended up speaking very slowly and deliberately. 19th of February Asked Yuri to take me out to buy houseplants. We found some lovely palms, eight foot high, being sold in a theatre foyer. Theatres all seem to have shops in them but they cost $400 each. Then Yuri drove me for what seemed like hundreds of miles through the suburbs of Almaty to various depressing nursery gardens with nothing to sell. To be fair, I suppose February is not the ideal month to be buying plants. The suburbs, Orbita they are called, were a shock. Just one enormous grim block of flats after the other, set in a featureless landscape. I had my camera with me today, so that I could start photographing the charming cottages. On the way home, we spotted a particularly cute one down a side road. It was painted blue with pale green shutters, and had a fringe of long icicles hanging from its corrugated iron roof. Yuri stopped, and I slithered off to photograph it. Trying to get a picture of the cottage without showing the ugly hot water and gas pipes across the front... I discovered the first thing to know about snow. You can't tell how deep it is until you sink up to your waist and then look an utter fool thrashing around trying to get out again. This has not been a good day for expeditions. After lunch, I wrapped up again in my sheepskin coat, hat, scarf, gloves, boots, etc. Buying clothes for Kazakhstan in London took me into a whole new world of fleeces, layers and something called Gore-Tex, which I'd never heard of before, and walked down the hill to photograph another pretty cottage we'd passed in the car. On the way back, I was admiring the blue sky and the white snow all around and thinking it really wasn't that bad, when I was attacked by a scabby-looking white dog. I had to beat it off with my camera on the end of its strap. Must get Yuri to make me a stout stick. We'll probably have to get a new camera. A.W. and I felt really sick this evening. Idly wondered if it could be early stages of bubonic plague. 20th of February. Obviously not, as both of us are perfectly okay this morning. Lunch with Dutch ambassador's wife today. That means contact with fellow human beings speaking my language. Will I manage coherent sentences? Later. In the event, 
I didn't really have to, as the Kazakh anthropologists lectured us non-stop on the culture of the Kazakh nomads. The thing that touched me most was when she said that in the old days, a Kazakh could tell from the particular jangle of each woman's jewellery who was approaching the yurt. The saddest part is that the nomad culture is virtually dead here, and all that is left are these stories. When the Russians introduced collective farming at the end of the 1920s and early 30s, it was an utter disaster for Kazakhstan. The nomads slaughtered their herds rather than accept this new and totally alien way of life. And then came a famine in which about two million people, half the population, died. Others were executed for not obeying orders, and many fled to Mongolia, where thousands of Kazakh nomads still live in Europe.